Well, we're in the midst of our series that we're describing as what the Bible doesn't say. Some phrases that you probably have heard many times and thought they're in the Bible, but they're really not. Two weeks ago, we discussed the phrase, God helps those who help themselves, and discovered while that may be true, it's also true that God helps those who can't help themselves. Last week, we talked about the phrase, money is the root of all evil, and we discovered that Money is not the root of all the evil, it's the love of money that is all the re, uh, root of all evil, uh, all kinds of evil actually, and we said it can be when it begins to take the place of God. Next week we're going to discuss God never gives us more than we can handle, and I'm sure many of us question that sometimes in our lives. Today we're focusing on the phrase, everything happens for a reason. How many of you heard this said before? Yeah, especially around the funeral home. People want to share comforting thoughts, and that is one of those phrases people use. A corollary to that would people be saying, well, it, this must be God's will, or God has a plan, or maybe it's their time. They're all good intentions, but if they're not shared well, they can become an obstacle. They can make God become an obstacle to people. Because in effect, you're saying that your loved one who died, died because God planned for them to die. I mentioned before my brother-in-law, who's 20 years old, Andy, who's in a car accident down on County Line Road in Greenwood, Indiana. He was riding as a passenger with a friend who had just put a souped-up engine in a Chevy Nova. He had uh, <clears throat> decided to take it out for a spin. It was a rainy, misty day, and they went to pass another vehicle, and when he downshifted, because the tires didn't have enough tread on them, they broke contact with the highway, went off the road, hit a telephone pole, it split the car literally in two, and my brother-in-law, Andy, was thrown from that vehicle, didn't have a seatbelt on, and his head ran into a tree. He was in a coma for five weeks before he passed away. I happened to be in seminary at the time, which is the time that you're developing your concept of God. And I was also working as a chaplain in two hospitals and processing struggles with other people. And so it was a time of formation for me. And I remember being in the funeral home, and we heard many people say things like, everything happens for a reason. People that were trying to comfort us. They would say things like, uh, God has a plan, or God needed him in heaven. And because our, my father-in-law had just passed away two months before Andy's father, we often heard the phrase, well, James must have needed Andy in heaven. Well, let me tell you, that didn't sit well with me. Maybe because I was in seminary, maybe at that time, you know, when you're in seminary, you think you're smarter than everybody else. But I had a hard time with that phrase. I, I, I was polite. I, I, I never responded to people shared those words, but inside I just wanted to shout, God didn't do this. This wasn't God's plan. We need Andy on this earth more than God needs him, especially his mother and his sisters. Andy died because he chose to ride a car that had too powerful of an engine. On a day it was rainy, he didn't use a seatbelt. He died because of all those human reasons, not because it was God's plan. Now, if you've ever said those words, please don't feel any guilt. I've said them myself before. 
Usually people in those situations, they hear them with grace. They understand what you're trying to say, even if theologically they may not agree. Because that phrase, everything happens for a reason, has a little bit of truth to it. There is some partial truth to it. It does express that the idea that, that while this terrible, tragic event has happened, it doesn't happen in isolation. And somehow there is a God who is not just letting life be full of random events, but there is this overarching purpose that he has for all of creation and also for your life. You know, the most comforting thing that I heard, that I experienced in that time, was someone who came to the funeral home. She had actually lost her father just six weeks before. I knew and understood that. And she stood in line, waiting her turn to come and greet me and the rest of the family. And when she came up to me, I looked at her, and she tried to say something, but she was so full of emotion, she couldn't say anything. And we just hugged. You know, it was the best thing that happened to me all week because I knew she knew better than anyone else what we were going through right there. No words had to be said. Just the fact that she showed up said all that she needed to say. We say everything happens for a reason. We, we get it kind of honestly because there is some biblical backing for that, especially when you look in just isolated, specific passages. We can recall that sometimes the Bible suggests that God isn't controlling the weather patterns, that he sends rain and he withholds it. The time of Elijah, he declares that, that they are experiencing the drought of a horrible drought because of their sinfulness. Elijah isn't trying to worry about predicting weather. He's just trying to make a statement that his people need to hear. We'll also find biblical descriptions of God opening and closing wombs, him bringing forth children from women way too old past childbearing age because they didn't understand the physiology, the biology that's involved with fertility. You can even find in the Old Testament a dominant strand of theology we call it the Deuteronomic theology that, that expresses over and over that good things happen to people who are righteous, and bad things happen to people that are not righteous. What you find in the scriptures when you read the whole of scripture is that scripture kind of corrects itself. If you look at all the passages, it, it brings a balance to this understanding that gives us the sophistication we need to understand. For example, the book of Job was written to correct that thinking that's in the Deuteronomic theology strand that, that sometimes bad things happen to good people. Job was sin, sinless, according to that story, and yet he had all these horrible things that happened. And if you read the whole story, you find there is no answer provided to the problem of evil in our world. We have Jesus himself who says that he lets the sun rise on both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So it's important to grasp the whole of Scripture. And here's the problem with that kind of thinking that everything happens for a reason. For one, it eliminates personal responsibility. If everything happens according to God's immutable plan, then whatever I do equals God's will, right? In fact, that means God needed it. Otherwise, God would have never let it happen. If I cheated my wife, it must have been part of God's will. If I drink and drive and someone is killed, that's a result of the fact that it must have been their time. But also as the problem is it puts everything 
in the hands of God as if he is causing these things, which makes it really difficult for someone who needs to turn to God for strength and comfort if he's perceived as the reason for it all. It means tragedies do not happen in spite of God's will, but because of it. I wrote this message on Thursday, and I stopped and took a look at what the headlines were for that day. And I read this, a 68-year-old man dead after being hit by a semi on I-70. Troopers found over a pound of methamphetamine in an I-65 traffic stop. Delphi marks the murder anniversary with vigil and food drive. And insurance denials complicate woman's cancer battle. You just look at those headlines, and you would say from this perspective that, that did God guide this man to the path of that semi? Does God inspire human beings to develop drugs that lead to addiction? Did God deliberately hide evidence so that a killer of two children is still at large? Does God will people to have cancer? I don't think so, because if that's the case, it leads to a fatalism, a lack of hope. It just says whatever will be, will be, and we feel powerless. So if you are of that thinking, then why wear a seatbelt? Why work out? Why eat healthy foods? Why take care of your body? When it's your time, it's your time. If you're diagnosed with cancer, why seek treatment? Aren't you going against God's will? Matter of fact, it kind of calls into question the entire medical field, doesn't it? No, the biblical arguments suggest to us that God has given us free will and free choice, that somehow he incorporates into all of his will our own choices and decisions. We need just a little more sophistication when we try to express that view that God is sovereign, that God is at work. Think about it. During the Christian story, God said to Adam and Eve, be fertile and multiply. Fill the earth and master it. Take charge of the fish. He gives us personal responsibility. You can turn to the passage we read today from Deuteronomy 30. Moses has shared the Ten Commandments and the Mosaic Law with the people before they're ready to go into the Promised Land. And he says, I have set life and death, blessing and curse before you. Now choose life that you and your descendants will live. And then the passage, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible, Romans 8.28. It makes a difference which translation you read of this verse. See, part of the confusion is because the King James Version which impacted for so long, says something slightly different from our more modern translations. The King James says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. And then in the other translations, you find just this subtle difference. We know that God works all things together for good to the ones who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. The difference is subtle but it's significant. In King James, it suggests all things are working together. In the more modern translations, God is working in all things. God is present in all things. It's not saying everything is good, but God is at work in the midst of that. So there is some truth to the phrase, everything happens for a reason. 
It's trying to express the two big theological concepts that we call God's sovereignty, which God is Lord and King over all the universe, and also tries to express God's providence, God's hand at work, that we sometimes see, especially as we look backwards in our lives and notice how things come together, how we were at the right place at the right time, how God brings in our lives the right person at the right time, how God sometimes has someone say to us exactly the right thing that we need to hear at the right time. That is God's providence. And the sovereignty says that somehow God respects our human free will, our good and bad choices, and still somehow is putting that together to bring about an overarching purpose for creation, for the kingdom of God, and also for our personal lives. I like the analogy that is used to describe how God works. How many of you got a smartphone? Yeah. And what does that smartphone do? Periodically, hourly, it sends you a reminder. You get up and move your butt around a little bit, right? Or it sends you a, a mind tells me to stop and breathe for a while. It's even got an app. If I press the button, it'll walk me through a one-minute breathing exercise. It tells you to get out there and, and do something that you haven't taken enough steps yet. But it doesn't make you do anything, does it? You can just ignore it. Isn't God kind of like that? God doesn't force himself on us, but he sends us little nudges and whispers. And sometimes we hear it and pay attention, and because of it, our lives go better. At other times, we're too busy with our own agenda, and we don't sense it. We're not aware of it. And then sometimes bad things happen. See, the challenge is finding that, that understanding that realizes that, that God's not a micromanager. He's, he's not going to control each and every act in your life. But at the same time, we don't believe in a deistic God that just set the world in motion and creation and then sits back and lets us do our damage. Somehow, God is involved. Many of you are aware of the story of Melissa and Ken Go. In 2013, they experienced the tragic loss of their three-year-old and a few months child, McKenna. It's an accident that was hard to anticipate. They had in a room a little small chest, just two by two, one that you would imagine would be even big enough for a child to crawl into. It was full of doll, dolls and dolls' clothes. You wouldn't even think that it was an airtight chest. And yet, they put her to bed and went off to bed themselves. The next morning, Melissa awoke, could not find McKenna anywhere, and finally went in the room and saw that the chest was closed and opened up, and she had suffocated overnight in that chest. She called 911 and told her to give her CPR. She knew it was too late, but she did it anyway. She remembers that day in vivid detail, remembers Ken coming home and falling on his knees in anguish and regret. And she shared for a time that she was even suicidal. Might have taken her own life if it wasn't for the reminder from her sister that said that this is not the end of her son Gregory's story. It gave her a reason to live and a reason to feel. Then Melissa experienced even more heartache because after they tried again to have a child, that child 
ended in a miscarriage. Melissa shared the path of healing that she took. She told me that she's a purposeful person. So she took him out on a field trip this week. We went out first to Forest Park, and there you'll find this beautiful setting that's got park benches, got bricks that you can have in honor of a child's name, and it's called the Angel of Hope. These statues are all over the country for this very purpose. That's providing a place where parents who've lost children can stop and just think about their children. Her family put a lot of labor into this project. It was a source of her healing to do something tangible and real. Then she took me out to the gravesite right over here at Forest Lawn. She said, you know, McKenna died in a box. I didn't want to put her in a box. So we came up with a tombstone that served a purpose. It's a bird bath that helps creation. Because she wants McKenna's life to mean something, to have purpose. They made donations to our preschool to provide scholarships, and that has now been turned over to a general scholarship. She started a scholarship at the Y to help assist families to be blessed the way McKenna was blessed by these two ministries. But we know Melissa best for her work with the Angel Gowns, a ministry that repurposes wedding gowns and turns them into funeral gowns for families whose children passed premature and traditional children's clothing would not fit the funeral. It's an act of love every time. And she says, you know, there's something therapeutic about tearing apart a wedding gown and making it something that brings comfort and peace. And Melissa says this is where they're at now. I was so impressed how she's taken this horrible, tragic experience and turned it into something so beautiful. And she said, you know, Gregory and I, sometimes we, we talk about, we play this little game, if you could turn the clock back, where would you turn it back to and what would you change? And we've sometimes talked about, oh, we wish we could turn the clock back and make sure that McKenna's still here. But she said, you know, it's been about three and a half years since then. And the twins that she has, Finnegan and Ginevra, are about the same age as McKenna was when she passed away. And she shared that when they talk about that game now, they're not so sure they would turn the clock back because if McKenna had not passed, they wouldn't have the twins. And she wouldn't have had all these amazing experiences now with people that she's come in contact to that Angel Gowns ministry and been a source of God's healing to other people. She says, I've learned to say yes to God regardless of the circumstances and trust that somehow he is there even in this situation. Melissa has seen the ways that God can take the terrible things and turn them into something beautiful. She has seen God's purposes unfold in her life. I asked Melissa, what's a better way to express the intended truth that is with that statement? Everything happens for a reason. And this is what she wrote to me. A better thing to say would be God is with you and God knows. God will use this too. There will be a purpose for pain. Let me repeat that. A better thing to say would be God is with you and God knows. God will use this too. There will be purpose in the pain. 